Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome to another episode of the Prodigals Podcast, where we talk about all kinds of topics relating to faith and culture. In this episode, we speak with my dad, Pastor Daniel Katangai, who has been in the ministry for more than 36 years and have experienced quite a bit during his career. Today, he will share with us some insights into his life as a pastor, the joys and challenges in ministry, and how we as a church can do better in leading people to Christ. So let's get right to it. Please welcome our guest, Daniel Katangai. Hey, Dad. Hey. Hello, everyone. How are you? I am good. I am happy to join you in your podcast. It's a privilege on my part to be part of uh, your ministry. Cool. So, we're going to interview you. Um, we have some real tough questions for you. Not but... so tough. <laughs> I hope. Yeah. It'll be tough. But before we start, we'll just... Um, start off with some easy questions, not too hard. We'll be doing this or that, so we'll give you a choice between two answers, and you have to choose. You don't have to explain why. We'll just react to what your answers are. All right, first, this or that, Florida beaches or Toronto fall leaves? Florida beaches. Ooh. Wow, that's no kind of understandable. I agree. Yeah. Get that suntan. Second one, Pepsi or Coke? <laughs> <laughs> I choose Pepsi. Ooh. Ooh. Generation. There we all go. right, all right. Coke for me. Is it being advertised by? Yeah, that's our uh, sponsor. sponsor. <laughs> yes, Pepsi. All right. Next one, Toyota or Honda? I like. Arwen's Honda. He owns a Honda right now. Um, I own two Hondas too. But you prefer two. Yes. <laughs> so, wait, you, so you own the two, but you prefer the other. Is, I get two there, Toyotas okay. and they perform oh, okay. better. How many cars do you have? <laughs> <laughs> four. You have four. You have two Hondas and there, two there Toyotas? Are, uh, Three drivers in our house. So, mm. okay, all right, all right. Okay, last one. Oh wait, no, two more. Pizza Hut or Papa John's? I prefer Papa John's. Okay, Ooh. good choice. Okay. Good choice. Okay. I haven't had Papa John's. Papa John's is nice. Awesome. They're nice. Papa John's at um, Eglinton and. This Eglinton and Mavis for anybody listening. All right, all right. <laughs> Close, Free shout out. Closer. No Close. sponsorship. We're just pro bono right now. <laughs> um, last one: Toronto Raptors or Orlando Magic? Of course, Toronto Raptors. Yeah, of course, because uh, in Toronto right now. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I'm in Orlando, I cheer for. The there you go. There you go. All right. Also helps that we just won. <clears throat> okay. Oh wait, we have a last one. Me or my brother? <laughs> wow. wow! You really put that yes. in there. Stop! Stop. I guess uh, I, I won't answer. Okay, I'm done. Just whisper it to right. us. Just whisper. <laughs> off air, off air. Okay. Um, the next 
icebreaker question is if you could have dinner with three people in history, dead or alive, who would they be? Dinner. Just one person? Three. Three. Oh, three. I guess, first of all, I want to have a dinner with uh, Abraham. Ooh. Abraham. Father. Yeah. Is there a specific reason? Any kind of question that you wanted to ask him specifically? Why Abraham? Abraham, uh, I consider him as uh, a uh, very strong pillar of the faith. And uh, he went through a lot of failures, and yet he's remembered as a man of God who stood firm on his decision for the Lord. All right. Second person. I like uh, Peter. Mm. <laughs> Peter. Peter is an interesting choice. Nice. What would you ask him? I ask him why he was so hesitant to witness for Jesus on those crucial, uh, crucial times when Jesus was uh, arrested. Right. So he, <laughs> you're going to remind him of <laughs> <laughs> to bring up, hey, so yeah, during that time when you kind of balked and hey Peter and, do you love Jesus <laughs> it's because there are times when I find myself in the same situation sure I mean that's all of us right it would be I, I think though Peter is a little bit different than a lot of us because he's very he's headstrong he, he just he just dives in with just a lot of the stuff that he wants to do right not always thinking about what he wants to say and, and, and stuff like that. I can't remember who said it, but uh, they said that Peter's mouth is like the the, the, the form of his foot. You know, the, the, he's always saying stuff where he wants to stick his foot in his mouth after. Right? <laughs> I, wish, I wish I'll be like Peter, who is, who is not uh, afraid to risk himself. Yeah. Because many times I feel like I play safe. I one of the greatest experience that I admire Peter with is to ask Jesus to let him walk on water. Mm. Right. Nobody, yeah. No, there is yeah. It. Yeah, we give we give Peter flack for losing faith, sinking into the water, but we have to remember there are eleven other he guys had, yes. still left in the boat. And he had faith to ask Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Third person. <clears throat> Third person, I would like to have dinner with my son, Mark. Wow. Wow. Who's cooking? Who's cooking? <laughs> wow. Okay. Who's cooking? My mom. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know what's going to answer. Yeah. yeah. I seldom had opportunity to just spend time alone with, with Mark. Okay, for a long, long time. Great, it's always with other people. Mm. Well, Marcus, yeah, like, yeah, never alone. Never, time. yeah. Well, that's nice. There you so, go. One of these days we'll go out. Yeah, and, and the good thing is you don't have to wait for heaven to make yeah, that happen. Exactly. What are you doing tonight? That kind of thing. We'll be going out, I guess, but with family members. 
Okay. We'll set up a date, Dad. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, Ooh, so these three people, yeah. So these three people, people that you want to, you know, sort of have dinner with, it's not a one-time thing. You can't have like four, like the four of you there. You want to just oh. in each individual night. Yes. Right. I was. That's good company, have. Abraham. And you. <laughs> good company. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay, good. All right. Okay. So we're gonna start the interview now um first question would be tell us about yourself briefly uh what have you been doing in ministry these days i am a pastor for around 36 years now spent 17 years in the philippines 11 years here in toronto and uh, 10 years in Orlando. And uh, it's been rewarding and at the same time challenging. Rewarding in the sense that uh, I know I'm doing what God wants me to do and uh, helping others to realize and experience the love of Jesus. True. So right now you're in Orlando Yes, uh, I am serving a church in Orlando of more than 400 members. But the, the joy that I have is when I spend time with cell groups. Mm-hmm. We have around five cell groups. Uh, we meet <coughs> once a week and we just enjoy fellowship and the study of God's Word and see how they grow in the love and in the knowledge of God. Pastor, how has your ministry or views changed throughout the years? In the past, especially when I was in the Philippines, ministry is more of uh, bringing people and add them to the membership of the church. Uh, Back there, they measure the Effectivity or success of a pastor in terms of how many you bring to the Lord mm. or baptize. So it's like it's based on, on statistics. Yeah. It's a numbers game. Yeah, it's a numbers game. But uh, uh, all through the years, I evolved into the realization that uh, it's not the number that counts. It's uh, the relationships that are formed and the growth they uh, experience in knowing more of God and uh, involving themselves in service. Uh, discipleship is the name of the game. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Why do you think? Why do you think it was a numbers game? I mean, do we think of that? Is it that way still now, or in some other places? It's still the same because uh, we think. Or people think before that uh, the more people are baptized, it means the church is growing. Okay. But uh, it's not the number of people, but it's what's going on in their relationship with the Lord. Yeah. Um, 
because that whole numbers game, it, it almost seems that that was really mm-hmm. the only measurement that we have of, particularly coming from a pastor's perspective, if we're doing our jobs, right? Is it almost seems that that for the the people that are, are overlooking pastors, you know, you can interview people to say, well, how are they doing? But the hard they lack hard numbers to say, okay, this person's baptizing, you know, twenty people a month, as opposed to, well, this person hasn't baptized anybody for, you know, for a, for a solid year, right? Is that does that seem like the evaluation of a pastor's worth? As it was when it was the numbers game. Yes, uh, it's not. It's not only the church members; it's uh, the leadership in the organization, because they are also being asked and measured by the same standard. And so, uh, even though you bring more people to church, but many are lost at the same time. Uh, when you look into the situation of the church, are they growing spiritually or uh, they are just growing in terms of uh, people added and yet at the end they're also lost. So if you look at uh, the growth of the church in terms of uh, discipleship, someone being brought to the Lord later on will bring someone too. And both are being mentored and being trained and uh, being answered to a deeper relationship with God, then you will see that uh, what you're doing is worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I see what you mean. And like I, I finished my education in the Philippines too, um, and right there, it's still the numbers game for the most part. You're still encouraged to <clears throat> produce numbers of baptisms by quarter, by year, and if you're not, you're going to be if you're not producing as much as other pastors, then you're really questioned by leadership. So, like, it's not just then; it still happens, and um, yeah, it's as you know, like my dad said, it's. You might be baptizing people into the church, but you don't see the people that are leaving, right? They're not recorded. So, And the problem with that uh, practice or that uh, uh, principle in church growth is many times you introduce people to the church, but not necessarily to Christ. Mm-hmm. Because someone you introduce to Jesus, then... Uh, their loyalty is not to the leadership, it's not to the organization. Wherever they go, they know Jesus is there, they can count on him, uh, he can, they can be faithful to him, and that uh, it's uh, based on a personal relationship that uh, can sustain them in times of challenges. Sure, uh, and it's a beautiful segue into the question that I have. And that, you know, you said it was a problem. Is that the main problem that we have, um, particularly as pastors? Or, you know, are there others that, you know, that you've experienced throughout, you know, your time um, that has been bigger or maybe just more upfront for you? Or is, is that sort of like the thing that 
has encompassed you know the problems that you um, focus on it's not only the problems of passes this is also the misinformation or a uh, wrong perspective among parents mm. that uh, they think as long as I bring my children to church while well, they are still small, as long as uh, I can wake them up early in the morning to go to church <clears throat> and stay there quietly and uh, behave properly in church, then uh, I'm doing my responsibility. Or sometimes I send them to uh, Christian schools, mm-hmm. then they will do uh, the task supposed to be my task to bring children to a closer walk with God. So do you feel sometimes as a pastor that you're taking over, like you become a parent or you become sort of like a babysitter at some time? Like for lack of a better term, because you're, you're there, they're there for like an hour, two hours, three hours, right? Not the entire day. That kind of, that kind of falls into the definition of a babysitter if you have to look after them and, you know, kind of push them Daycare. A little bit, yeah, daycare. Yes, to a certain extent, uh, when uh, their children are uh, failing in terms of spirituality, the tendency is to say that the pastor is not doing anything for the youth or for the children. Or the youth pastor. Oh, yeah. or, <laughs> or we need a youth pastor. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, there's, there should be a... Uh, functional working relationship between parents and churches. Sure. And the pastor is just the, the leader or the spiritual uh, head of the church, but uh, the whole leadership team as well as the members should know that uh, this is not the responsibility of one or two. It's uh, our total <laughs> cooperation Say that uh, those that are being brought to church are also brought before Jesus. So has that sort of been like a struggle for you as a pastor? It sounds like uh, there hasn't always been clear lines about what the roles are for, you know, for pastors, for parents, for you know, for other members in the church. Has that been your experience? The main problem is that the parents, adults that have the right perspective to on spirituality. Hmm. Uh, they regard church attendance as uh, one of the obligations that once they have been to church, uh, they, are, they have done their part. Or for some, they give their tithe, or they do and follow some of the rules, they're okay. But the... Uh, greatest thing for a person to experience a deeper spirituality is if he has an intimate walk, a personal walk with Jesus. Mm. Yeah, and that's kind of like, and like in my experience, those things are <clears throat> what people focus on because it's easy, right? It's a checklist. Oh, I do my, uh, I attend the church here once a week or even three times a week, Saturday, Wednesday, Friday night. Um, and then I pay my tithe and do all these things. It's easy because it's a checklist, so it's more objective. While like the things that kind of are harder to measure, 
in terms of quantity is like of someone's relationship with Jesus. And that's why people fall in the trap, I think, of just doing those things because it's so much easier sure. to follow. So what can we do better to stop people from leaving the church? So that's for me? Yeah. <laughs> in your grand wisdom of all your years, you know, because uh, we no, talk, yeah, yeah. What what would you say? What would you think? And it doesn't have to be the the answer, but you know, the overriding answer. Like if we do this, you know, every all our problems will be solved, and everybody wants to stay in the church. What do you think we should be doing? You know, at least to combat that. You know, to stop the bleeding per se. First of all, uh, the church should start to create a culture of uh, togetherness, love, and acceptance. Mm. The church is a place where people feel secured because uh, outside of the church, there's so much stress, so much uh, trouble, anxiety, and uh, the church should serve as a family mm. where they can find acceptance and belongingness. They are being loved, that they are important. And uh, when people see the church as the extension of what Jesus did on earth, his ministry to uh, serve those who are broken-hearted, those who are going uh, through some tough times. There's someone there that they can rely on, who, whom they can lean on. It's because that's what we expect that Jesus will do. And if the church is doing what Jesus did, then the church would live up to its purpose, to its function. And people won't just leave the church. Now the church is considered like a, an organization where we meet once a week. And uh, we see friends. We uh, listen to the sermon or join a class. But it's not... Uh, Directly connected to the needs of the, the members. What are really their needs? And if their felt and uh, their real needs are being addressed, then the church will be a blessing to them. Uh, my question for you, Pastor, is what's one thing you wish you knew when you first started out as a pastor? Besides the challenges that you knew you would face? How I wish I know the, uh, the real work of a pastor. Because when we were being trained, I guess we dealt more on theories. 
Mm-hmm. We we were taught uh, how to do things, how to uh, do Bible studies, how to preach, how to uh, solve problems. But uh, it's not the primary work of a pastor. When from the seminary or from the uh, university or college, you go straight to the church. You find out that most of your training are not so relevant. Mm-hmm. It's more on how you connect to people. It's how you cry with them, mm-hmm. laugh with them, and uh, to be there when they needed you most. And uh, to usher them to a realization that even though they go through challenges and difficulties, God is always there if they will just learn to know Him more and understand who He is in their lives. Do you feel that they are more equipped now? I don't know much about the Christian education system, but with with the whole empathy and sympathy, do you think they're more equipped in terms of emotional I guess intelligence? So. Uh, I, I believe that uh, they realize now that uh, it's not more on the classroom uh, learning. It's more on being with the church members. With my other son who is now in the seminary or in the uh, in Southern University taking the ministry, in the first year, they are already out in the church. Wow. They they visit. They they uh, spend time with church members, and uh, they are being exposed to the to what is expected when they become pastors. I guess they they have improved in the way they prepare pastors for the ministry. You're not talking about the favorite son, right? I hope not. <laughs> Yeah, and, and it's good that you said that because, as like for example, like learning Greek and Hebrew is helpful. It's really helpful, right? And knowing the background and like just what the original authors of the scriptures really meant um, when they wrote the original manuscripts. But putting an emphasis on that and not on you know personal relationship with other people is you're kind of like choosing this over that when that is more important. And those things are useful, don't, don't get me wrong. It's just when people put an emphasis on it, you kind of lose time for the other more important stuff, which is how to relate to others. Of all the courses or subjects that uh, I took in college, what proved to be very useful was the subject pastoral care and counseling. But just only one, one yeah. of the many subjects for four years. That's uh, Alan. You you know how? Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Yes, Greek and Hebrew is um, useful, mind-numbing as it is at times. Uh, yeah, there's only one one pastoral council class that we really had. Um, for me, though, I mean, I, it's odd. Because I, I like music and I like worship 
But that wasn't my favorite class. My favorite class, oddly enough, was systematic theology. What would your class, what's your favorite class that, you know, when you were in school, what was that? Even in my, in my undergraduate uh, classes, we don't have pastoral care and counseling. It's only when I took my masteral that I had that one class. <laughs> and wow. honestly, uh, I didn't, I don't remember any of the lessons I learned from Greek and Hebrew. When I look for a background or the context of a, a word in Greek and Hebrew, there are lots of Bible tools that you can use and it will give you a more or a wider perspective on how to get into the original meaning in context. So, but you can get uh, to the internet and find out help on how to deal with a specific problem that uh, a certain member is going through. Sure. Yeah, that's much more rare. You don't, you don't just go online for that. Well, <laughs> you, can you, I, you need personal training for that. Well, the, the, the odd thing is, can you, I mean, how, how long can you, I mean, how much can you fit in that, in a one class? It, would, it seems almost like, You'd have to have multiple classes, mainly because no congregation obviously is the same. Each person varies from from you know from person to person. You know their experiences, their values, their you know the, the way they were grown up, uh, the the way how they've grown up. And so, it, you know, obviously we're never going to be replaced by robots. But you know how much how much can we actually put in you know into a classroom in that regard? So realizing that uh, it's so important, I took my second masteral on uh, guidance and psychology, on counseling. That helped me a lot, not only in dealing with others, but dealing with myself. So do we have to go outside of like seminary and, and pastoral sort of education to kind of delve into the psychology of it? Do, it does, does pastors today kind of need that? Uh, some pastors are taking the what you call clinical pastoral education, right. CPE, it okay. helps them a lot. Okay. It's not only about uh, patients, but understanding more about themselves. Because uh, in the past, my number, my number one problem is myself. Interesting. Um, I, when somebody objects to my ideas, when somebody criticizes me, I take it so personal. And so it's one of the, uh, what hinders me from listening and ministering to others because I'm more focused on how I feel right. and uh, how uh, I get either good feedback or criticism. But ministry is not more about ourselves. Shouldn't be. But uh, in many, many cases, <laughs> we, we are so sensitive about what people will tell us. And so we try to please people all the time. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, so it's really important to have that, you know, that thing in your arsenal, I guess, like your pastoral arsenal. Holster <laughs> and like learning how to deal with people, right? And like learning how to 
not just analyze them, but to really know what they're asking. And it's important. You know, you, you see how Jesus has, has dealt with people. Someone asks him a question. He doesn't answer that question. He goes to the root of the problem that they're really looking for. So, you know, that's what like, I, I see that um, pastors really need in terms of like my, what my dad said, just learning how to deal with people, how to how how to have good relationships with like your members, and that's really how you get people to stay. And from my experience, your members will not remember you for your great sermons or a good answer to their questions. Members will remember you when they were hurting. You were there. When they needed someone to uh, listen to them, you were there. And that uh, you won their confidence, their rapport, because they feel like they are important to you and you are really Christ's representative in their lives. That's when your ministry will really be appreciated and uh, be a blessing to church members. Mm. I, I, I feel like we had this conversation before where I asked you, right, how could I be like, a good pastor to people? And then you said, I remember like this is because this is one of the biggest things I learned from you. What you said to me is just when there's a funeral, be there. Like, when someone's sick, go to the hospital to visit them and just be present in people's lives. And so like, I always remember that. Like, when people's going through tough things, like I, I try, at least I try to be there for them. So, And with young people, when they're confused with regards with their love lives, or with their uh, relationship, if they have the courage to say, Pastor, I need some words of wisdom with what I'm going through. You guided them not to teach them on what to do, but give them a broader perspective so that uh, their decisions were based on uh, a more enlightened understanding of their situation. And then uh, looking back when they are already settled and have their families, they say, Thank you, Pastor, because. Uh, you did not uh, teach. You did not teach me whom to marry, but it's uh, the principles that you shared with me that helped me in uh, many of my decisions. True. Sure. All right. So, last question. Um, what's the final thought of encouragement to anyone who may be listening, both young and old? The encouragement that I can tell them is wherever you are in your walk in life or your spiritual journey, God has a plan for you. If you feel discouraged, just know that uh, uh, this is not permanent. This is temporary. If you will just uh, look into the path that the Lord is laying for you, 
it may be blurred now, uh, it may be hazy or totally dark, but the God in heaven cares for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, he will show you the best way. The greatest uh, challenge is to know how God loves you and know his character, know the way he cares. Because sometimes when we don't know how the Lord deals with us, we become anxious, we become fearful of what will happen. Or sometimes we even have grudges uh, with God. Lord, why are you not doing this? Why are you not answering my prayers? Mm. If we have a better understanding of how the Lord leads us, then we have the trust that one of these days he will show it to me clearly. My example is one one time my daughter dropped her cell phone and uh, crushed it. And she was so scared that I will be so mad and uh, give her some sermonizing. (laughs) And she does not want to come home that night. And uh, her friend told me about it. And when I met her, I told her, my daughter, you don't know me. Hmm. Do you think after what rebuke? What you, it's already painful in your part to to lose your cell phone and yet I will still scold you? No, you don't know. Hmm. Uh, The more I'll be sympathetic, the more I'll understand you. Well, just buy another one. Why do you have to be scared? It's because you, you have not fully realized the character of your dad, that in times like that, I will not be there to to scold you. Hmm. I remember Mark when he was starting to drive. Yes, tell us. No. Yes. No. <laughs> I was waiting for this. <laughs> we have this uh, Dutch Grand Caravan, the green one. I think you still remember. Oh, yeah. That's where he learned to drive. Mm. And uh, turning to a driveway, he hit the concrete post. Of course he did. <laughs> of course he did. The left side oh, uh, man. was smashed. <laughs> and what did I tell you, Mark? What happened after? I forgot. It's all a blur. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, adrenaline rushing. <laughs> so when things happen like that, do you do you get mad? Oh, that's part of learning. So, it was okay with me. After a few months, he came back. The right side was uh, also done. <laughs> we had to balance it out, right? You take the left side, you gotta do the right side too. I'm kind of OCD And as a dad, I just balanced it. <laughs> so we just laughed together. When, when you know your dad, your father, you are not that too scared when you got into some trouble. Hmm. Because you know he will be there with you and for you. The problem with us is we don't have enough understanding of who God is 
that sometimes we wonder how he will react. And sometimes we are anxious or we even have bad feelings towards him mm. because we think he does not care. So for somebody who is listening in our podcast today, my assurance to you is God loves you unconditionally. He has a plan for you. And so in your prayer, just say, Lord, I want to know you more. Show yourself to me and help me and guide me so that I understand your will in my plans in my life. For sure, God cares for everyone and everyone is important to him. All right. Amen. Amen. For a closing song. <laughs> no, let's let's receive offering first. <laughs> offering first. Okay. Uh, yeah, Dad, we just want to thank you for being with us, being our first guest. It was. It's a privilege. It was really um, insightful, and we learned a lot from you, and just knowing you more in that capacity. And yeah, always thank you for joining us. It's a privilege, and uh, I hope I can join you in the near future. Yes, when you're when you move back. When you move. <laughs> well, folks, that's all we have for you today. I hope you were blessed, and that you will join us again in our next episode. Until next time, 